and welcome to this month's Women in Dev Presents the podcast. Hope you're all doing well and that you've been staying safe. I wanted to start this month's podcast by giving a shout out to some of the events and some of the workshops that Women in Dev have been running over the past few weeks. This week we held a Q&A session across our Instagram on accountability and Afghanistan. We had some amazing speakers at it and you can access that on our Instagram again if you want to watch back. And similarly, our masterclass from earlier in the month is available on our YouTube channel, so check that out too. And as always, if you want to keep up to date with what Women in Dev are up to, please check out our website and you can subscribe to our newsletter where we send out events that we've got going on, as well as funding opportunities and updates on just from our community in general. This month's podcast theme ties into our news segment um, that I always like to start the podcast with, and that's on COP26. I'm sure many of us in the sector were watching as the world met in Glasgow and had really high hopes for some resolutions that would see real change and tangible solutions and resource put into tackling the climate crisis, which is already affecting us and will continue to affect us as as the years go by. I think it's really easy to get lost in the disappointment or the frustration and that's a very valid reaction to what happened at COP26, particularly around the change of language, around phasing down or phasing out coal and also the lack of engagement on the kind of reparations or damages fund that a lot of activists had been hoping for. But I think one of the things that's kept me hopeful and actually in the conversation that I had today is just the passion and determination and kind of courage that activists who are working in this space have and particularly young activists because they are the people who will inherit the world that we give them and they're the ones who will deal with the consequences when those of us who are slightly older will will go. And I think they're also doing a really good job of articulating and connecting dots between the climate crisis and development and economic structures and feminism which we come to talk about later and I think that's something that we should feel really proud of and see as a hopeful thing because to have that language and ability to express how things connect with each other allows people to shift their way of thinking when it comes to the climate crisis and I think the fact that we have such young people who are able to you know, really articulate and grasp these top topics and move forward with amazing solutions to the problems is, is something we should all be grateful for and should be supporting them through fundraising and also just, just through generally amplifying their work. For this month's podcast, as mentioned, we are talking about why it's important to have a feminist lens or feminist action plan on the climate crisis. And for it, I'm joined by the amazing Evelyn Asham. Evelyn is a passionate climate justice activist from Uganda. She's been involved with the Rise Up movement as a national coordinator and also part of the Fridays for Future, the kind of international movement of school students, which Greta Thunberg is, is kind of um, leading or, 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 or kind of at the face of. She's also part of the Arctic Angel for Global Choices, a youth-led intergenerational action network which focuses on kind of preserving the Arctic. 
Evelyn is such a passionate speaker and she does a really amazing job of highlighting the issues facing her community in Uganda and also talking about ways in which her work through the Rise Up movement is kind of embodying and putting feminist actions into into practical ways of working on, on the climate crisis. I would encourage everyone listening to check out the work that she has and check out other young activists that she's been working with because she says that that is a real strength of the movement is that they're working together and there's such diverse voices involved in in the kind of climate crisis movement. As always, if you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd love to get in touch about potential speakers or topics, we're always up for hearing what you've got to say. So you can check out our Instagram at Women in Dev or our Twitter at Women Dev and leave us a comment, a like or share this podcast with someone who you think will enjoy it as well. Stay safe and enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for joining me, Evelyn. It's so nice to have you on um, and I'm really excited for our for our discussion today. So we're looking at obviously off the back of COP26 and lots of people have been talking about the solutions passed there and kind of the climate crisis and what we can do to to support some of the the actions actions made there and I think one of the things that has struck me is that there's a wider conversation about bringing a kind of feminist lens into into the, the climate crisis and and what that means and I think for me, like it took me a little while to understand what that that meant. You know, I could see it kind of applied in other areas of our our work, but but not particularly in the in the climate crisis. But I wondered, just from your opinion and kind of the work that you've been doing, how do you view that link between feminism and climate crisis, and and what that means kind of in practice? Um, yeah, thank you so much. Well, you're so right about. You're not the first person to make that comment that uh, you didn't know that there was a link between the climate crisis and feminism. Uh, I just had someone talk about this this morning and even the people around me, they like until you explain to them is when they understand. But this is very true. This, this has been um, released in UN reports, in different reports that the climate crisis affects a different it affects a certain group of people differently. It's affecting all of us, but some people are being affected more than others. I will talk about some of the groups that are being affected, like people from black and brown communities, women and children are being affected. So in my community, uh, when the climate crisis happens, like maybe during, during periods of crises, like droughts that dry up water sources, that dry up food, uh, because women are are the ones responsible to provide food for their families the, 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 and the food sources have dried up. Women have to walk, they are forced to walk very long distances in search for food and water to feed their families. So this, and, and this puts them at a risk of, of trafficking, of rape. Uh, we've had women getting raped when they go out there to, to try and get food for their family, to try and get water for their families. And sometimes they have to walk, they have to, they have to carry their children along and the children end up facing some health, cha- health challenges, health issues. So the climate crisis affects people differently. It affects women differently. And yet women are not being put on the front pages. Women are not being put on the front lines. They are not being heard. They don't have the opportunities to speak up, to raise their voices about these issues, but they are being 
affected, especially women in rural communities. Yes, people living in Kampala, Kampala is the capital city of Uganda, may not be experiencing it so directly because they are able to earn an income, they are able to go to work and earn money. But now the women in rural areas depend on agriculture for everything. So this is how the climate crisis, these are some of the ways the climate crisis is affecting women differently. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you you illustrated that so well with the example of, you know, the, the kind of longer term consequences, not only just like when a drought happens, but then having to look for food and shelter and that burden being placed on women. And I think one of the stats that I saw when I was just having a look is that like 80% of people who are displaced by the climate by climate change are women so there's that kind of a burden and then as you said that kind of intersectional when it intersects with different um, different identities so whether it's you know if you're from a poorer background or indigenous or you know particularly we see the kind of global south global north kind of kind of split there and I think what's really interesting is that when you compare what you were saying with the kind of representation issue with COP26 we saw that you know even just the world leaders who were present there, there was that photo, wasn't there, of like all the world leaders and there was only like two or three women who were there. Um, and then even just the kind of representation of younger voices and particularly black and brown voices. How, wh- what has it been like kind of in the aftershock of, of COP26 and like, what are your views about that, that kind of lack of representation uh, there? Uh, first of all, it's really sad that women are always left out voices of people from most affected communities are always underrepresented and left out you find that uh, people that deserve to be on the on the stage to speak are not the ones speaking yes i saw that photo of the world leaders and it was really really sad and heartbreaking and i was among the women who later had to go through the plenary together with other powerful women like um other powerful women like Mary Robinson, some ministers around the world, and we had to go to the main negotiation, main plenary room, and we just took like a photo, a picture of women was just taken, just to show the world how uh, women leadership would look like. So this is so sad that women are not represented. And again, COP, uh, COP was a disappointment to us who are already facing the climate crisis. The people from the global south and in in the global south we have women 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 are a very big percentage they have a they have quite a good percentage and most of them are not employed most of them do not have jobs most of them are already experiencing the loss and damage like i just told you they are already being damaged walking to get water they have already been damaged through violence because uh, one thing leads to another, the climate crisis, when something happens, it leads to another. They're already being affected, they've been damaged, their homes have been destroyed by floods and they do not have shelter, they do not have where to live. Girls are dropping out of school because schools have been destroyed by floods and at the end of the day, they have to, the only option they have is to be given away for marriage in exchange for bride price. All this is loss, all this is damage. And again, it is so sad that at the COP26, 
26. They did not approve the loss and damage fund, but some communities, so many communities need this fund. We need these resources to recover. We need these resources to pay for loss and damages, and we do not have them. So this is a, this is a very, this is a disappointment to us. And again, the 100 billion US dollars that was promised to help in adaptation was not delivered. But again, there are some things we cannot adapt to, like Vanessa said, we cannot adapt to starvation. Some people are already starving, yeah. Some people, we cannot adapt to extinction. The indigenous women depend on the natural world, they depend on the ecosystems for, for survival, for their culture. So we cannot adapt to lost cultures. But again, we need this money. We still need this money to, to help the communities that are already suffering. And this, uh, the, the result from the COP26, Yes, it was very bad and disappointing, but uh, this means that we need more leaders. We need more women leaders in the in the decision-making rooms because women are able to make more meaningful decisions at all levels. So we need a lot of women at all levels making decisions because they are able to make decisions that are decisions that will bring justice, decisions that will talk about all the injustices and inequalities that we are experiencing. This just uh, this is just to open our eyes that we need more women to rise up. We need more women to speak up. We need more activists. That's why today on the global stage we are seeing so so many powerful voices of activists and most of them are women yeah because this is affecting us directly and we have to speak up we have no choice and if we've not been given the positions in the higher places we have to speak up from where we are and we have to be heard but again I, I'm happy that so many voices are rising up and people are not keeping silent and we will keep speaking up we will keep demanding for justice and we have to get that justice and we don't need to see that justice tomorrow. We need to see that justice now. I think you're completely right. And I can really hear the frustration and and disappointment in, in your voice and, and from you know other activists who were at COP, and um, particularly young people who feel like they've been you know, sold such a bad deal and this kind of inter intergenerational burden that's now kind of kind of placed on them. And completely what you were saying, I was reading some research that was saying that, you know, when there are women leaders at the front of climate crisis talks or, or, or about actions, the actual results tend to be more just and equitable. Um, so it's about kind of finding those leaders, but then also being able to be in that space to, to make those decisions. I wondered if um, yeah. you could also, because a lot of our listeners on the, on the Women in Dev network are women who work in the international development space. So they're, you know, they work across a wide variety of, of areas. I wondered if there's any examples that you could give of activities where you've kind of taken a, a really feminist view towards the climate crisis, whether it's, you know, inviting more women to speak on it or whether it's kind of other things. How have you found kind of doing that in, in, in kind of practical actions? Uh, some of the actions that we have, that I have taken part in and participated in, have been actions where we invite women the women in rural communities that do not have jobs that are just staying home as housewives uh, we invite them to together with my team we invite them to help us in planting trees in schools and at the end of the day we give them an income money to help them with their needs and also the trees that we are planting are fruit trees to to be able like to 
provide them with food in the coming future. Those are some of the activities we are participating in. And also going to schools, I'm working on a program which involves adding climate education in the school curriculum and also educating children about climate change and how to come up with solutions to tackle this crisis. And I have been going to schools and talking to children and also intersecting this and talking to the girl child about the climate crisis and how it will affect them and how can um, cost their future, maybe by destroying their school and they have to drop out of school and how they should grow up into leaders of tomorrow, into, into uh, climate leaders and know that we have to tackle this crisis and we can, we can use our voices to bring action, to bring climate action. There's so many ways that this can be done through empowering more voices to to, to come and join you and speak up because we just don't we don't only need one uh, one activist to change this world we need so many people personally I have empowered and talked to people around me about the climate crisis and they are becoming so passionate I'm so happy about what I see around me people are becoming so passionate people are joining the fight for climate justice and they are because actually there's no knowledge about climate change so many people think this is a normal change of weather because it is so hot november is a month of yeah. rain it's a month where we receive a lot of rain and receive certain uh, insects called okay you know grasshoppers yeah and we get a lot of grasshoppers yeah mm -hmm. and usually uh, this type of grasshoppers is consumed by people like so many people catch it and they sell it but in this month we haven't seen like a lot of them and to me, I'm connecting this to the climate crisis because some certain species are becoming extinct. When you explain to people that November was a rainy month and now we are seeing a lot of droughts, like it's, it's becoming a reality to people. They are experiencing the droughts. They are experiencing a shock, a rising, a shocking like food prices. The food prices are rising and when you explain to them that this is still connected to the climate crisis, they are getting to understand it. And I'm so happy that people around me, the women around me, my friends around me are so interested and they are joining. Most of them have actually joined us. Wow. I, that's such a good example of kind of really bringing home to people what the climate crisis is about because I think people think it's quite abstract right even I yeah. sometimes struggle to like understand it and stuff but if you yeah. explain that yeah. you know something that you're so used to having having the rain and having the grasshoppers come on November and not having that anymore as a result of it yeah. people can really start to understand yeah. and think like well this is really not good for our communities and going forward yeah. Yeah. and I also really like that you were talking about bringing in yeah. you know rural women and really getting women who maybe like aren't really engaged in this area at all and bringing them into the conversation because they also have the expertise and knowledge right to kind of find solutions and in, in, in that way I wanted to to quickly ask you because I think one of the things that I'm always struck by yourself and and, and obviously seeing Vanessa I know you know Vanessa and Akati and and others who speak is that I'm really blown away with your kind of how in, how inspirational and how hopeful and how um yeah, just, just that you have such a, a momentum to move forward on these issues when I think so many of us get stuck at the first hurdle and, and don't have that. It has, has having a kind of really youth movement globally, has that really helped you to, to keep going with, with the work that you're doing? And have you connected with other young people around the world on, on climate issues? Yeah, that has, that has been so helpful because, again, 
we need to learn from each other. There's some things that I didn't know were happening in the other parts of the world. Like I'm part of the Arctic Angels group, uh, a group that is fighting for the protection of the polar ice. And I got to understand that what happens in the Arctic will affect the whole world. It does not just remain in the Arctic. So I, I became so passionate about protection of the eyes, about speaking up for, for, the pe for the people living in those places because there are actually people living in those places and they are suffering. They, they, they may soon lose their home if, not, if nothing is being done. I'm part of Fridays for Future and... Uh, connecting with different activists around the world has been so amazing. It has been uh, one of the most beautiful things that have happened to me because hearing all their stories, hearing stories of different people from Brazil, from Mexico, from uh, from Europe, from Sweden, like uh, it's it's so beautiful. It's so amazing because you get to understand different experiences. Because again, the climate crisis is affecting all of us. But some communities are being affected are being affected more than others. So it's very important to connect with everyone around the world because this is a global crisis and we are all one together. We are global citizens and we must, to achieve climate justice, we must achieve social justice. Like we all have to come together. We must achieve like every kind of justice and we need to connect and understand because, again, if you find someone from Europe helping us, like, talk about a certain, a certain crisis this side, like maybe a campaign that we are scared of talking about, maybe because of security reasons, we might get arrested. It's very important because at least this information is going out there through someone in Europe, through someone in the UK. So it's generally important to work together, to coordinate together and... And I think we shall achieve more meaningful action working together. Yeah, I completely agree. And you're right that sometimes we forget it's not easy for certain people to speak out about issues because of political, you know, fear or, you know, or maybe everyone has their own individual um, situation. And so if you can uplift the voices of others from other countries, you can get, you know, make people more knowledgeable about what's happening, happening there. I wanted to just ask you and kind of end on more of a, a kind of hopeful hopeful note around it because I think with COP26 obviously everyone was hugely disappointed with some of the resolutions and the fact that you know time and time again that the interests of, of the governments around the world are are very much thinking short term rather than long term and 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 kind of profit over people but I think from from your perspective like how do you what does what does a climate just future look like to you, and 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 what do you what keeps you going for that hope of, of a better future? I um I picture a future with clean air because in my country the air is so polluted, it's so dirty. I saw a difference when I was in Europe, the air was so clean and it was less polluted, and I still don't know why. <laughs> I need to find out why it was that clean and when I got back to my country I'm finding it so hard to adapt because the air is so like everywhere is so polluted everywhere is so like the air is not clean and I still I'm so disturbed by this so me I'm picturing a world where there's clean air where there's clean water our water is not clean where in Europe water is clean you just get I was surprised that I just have to get drinking water from a tap and here you have to boil drinking water. 
So anyway, I, I'm not sure whether the water is related to the climate crisis, but yes, I guess it is because the water, the, the water bodies are polluted, uh, wastes are thrown in water bodies. But again, I'm picturing a world with clean water, with clean air, where justice is served, where people achieve that just, where the people, the people who are suffering most, their voices are being heard and action is taken because already the climate crisis is an injustice to the people in the global south. Africa is only responsible for 3% of global CO2 emissions, but they are suffering some of the worst impacts of the climate crisis. So that is an injustice. We need to achieve justice, yeah? And justice will start when the leaders start taking meaningful action and not just making empty promises in every conference, but we need to see meaningful action. When they talk about delivering the 100 billion US dollars, they must deliver it. When they talk about paying for loss and damage, or when we bring up a suggestion of paying hope, uh, sorry, loss and da damage, we need to see the money. We need to see that money. So I'm picturing a world where where communities like mine achieve that justice, that, uh, that justice, that right to clean air, that right to clean water, when no one is worried of a, a drought season, where they'll not have food, uh, they're worried of starving, they're worried of having one meal a day or having nothing to eat at all. They're worried of, their, of the storms taking off the roofs of their houses and they do not have shelter over their heads. So I'm just looking at a world where everything is just in place, where everything is in place, there's climate justice, there's climate action, and leaders, leaders are ready to listen to everyone, and above all, an equitable world, where everyone is given a right to speak up, everyone is listened to, and the decision, in the decision-making rooms, we have both men and women, and not only men, because uh, this is another reason why we are experiencing the climate crisis, because uh, this is just showing a leadership crisis when, when, we are, when, when we are not getting meaningful action and just empty promises. There's a crisis in the leadership, so we need to see more women in leadership positions. I just have so much to say about a world that I need to see, but uh, maybe for now, that's what I can talk about. No, that's so helpful, and I think you're, you're so right that when we see more representation of women and other groups and those people who are experiencing climate, um, the climate change at the kind of forefront of it, we'll then see more just and equitable solutions because the people at the top, they don't really understand, right? They don't know exactly, or if they do, they're choosing not to because they know that they will be safe or they'll have the money to 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 be kind of live yeah. in this in this safe bubble. Um, thank you for explaining that so articulately. I wanted to um, give you a little chance to give a shout out for any of the work that you're working on or any initiatives that people listening can get involved with. Um, please, please give us give us some time now to, to tell us about that. Um, I haven't uh, started actively uh, working on my project, but I'm working on a project which I was supposed to start before COP, which involves um, planting nine million trees in homes around Uganda. And when I talk about home, I'm targeting meeting women and maybe the household and uh, giving them the knowledge about the climate crisis and also providing a solution to them and leaving them with the knowledge. Basically, it's a sort of creating awareness thing. And this is uh, looking at planting fruit trees because fruit trees will provide fruits 
of food at the end of like after some time people will be able to get food from this and um i'm also working on a project which involves um, creating a curriculum as a small curriculum that is going to educate children in schools about climate change about the climate crisis I don't think I don't I don't think my government is ready to do this so fast. So uh, personally, I want to take the initiative of going to schools and having a, a a small talk with the children, maybe 30 minutes or 45 minutes, and just explaining to them what is happening around them, their connection with nature, and making sure that they grow up into they they grow understanding what is happening around them and what they can do about it and um i'm also part of rise up movement and uh i work along with vanessa to go to schools to install solar stoves and solar panels uh, eco-friendly stoves sorry and solar lighting to make sure that children are able to study longer hours because in rural schools children can only study during day because uh, that's the time they can see light, but at night they don't have electricity. So by giving them solar lighting, they're able to study even in the night, and this will produce better results from the children. It will produce brighter and more brilliant children. That's incredible. Thank you so much for explaining that and for, for letting us know. We'll definitely link to the Rise Up movement. And I think even just listening to you talk there, it's so incredible that you're able to see change on the ground you know and like really work with those communities to find solutions that work because if you have a sustainable way of allowing children to read at night with a light rather than like a diesel engine having the solar panels that's something that they that that works for both the environment right and for the communities there and it's about finding those solutions that work for everyone um, well, thank you so much, Evelyn. That was so interesting. And I'm so excited to see the work that you do going forward. And I'm sure that everyone listening will will check out um, the Rise Up Movement and all, all the other kind of projects that you're part of. Thanks to everyone for listening. And if you have any comments, you can find us on our Twitter and our Instagram um, and give us a little shout out if you enjoyed this episode. Thank you. Thank you.